We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, Adam, we're about halfway uh, through January, so we've we've had a, a, a long and arduous off season uh, to just chat about things that happened during the 2022 Major League Baseball season and things that have happened during the offseason. But now we can see a glimmer of light on the horizon. We're about a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training in Arizona. Uh, About a month, a little less than a month after that, the World Baseball Classic will happen. And then about three weeks from that um, point, the Milwaukee Brewers will open the 2023 MLB season in Chicago at Wrigley Field against the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited. First of all, Adam, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited too. We're getting closer. That's not the first time I've said it. I really miss Brewers baseball. Uh, how long will that feeling like hold without making me feel ridiculous when the season comes back? That's a different matter. It might be a few games where I'm like, oh god, this, all of this. But no, at the moment, I, I really miss it. 
I'm excited for the season startup and excited for everything else that's coming on the horizon because this is really my first ever true lead up to a baseball season uh, because last year we started a podcast like, I don't know, two days before the season started. So I'm getting more of the full off season and into preseason experience this time around. Yes, you are. Um, last time we spoke, we we took a tour through the NL Central, discussed some of the moves that that those teams made, and also touched on the uh, signing of Wade Miley to bolster the rotation depth for the Brewers. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a few other moves the Brewers have made in the last um, week or so, a few days. Nothing major, but we'll touch on them nonetheless, and. We're also going to talk about some interesting uh, surveys being conducted by MajorLeagueBaseball.com where they talk to executives about uh, some up-and-coming prospects around baseball and some some Brewers' names feature heavily in that. And then we're just going to talk about the offseason in general. What were some of the big storylines? What stood out to us? Which teams did well? Which storylines dominated? I'm sure things are already coming into your head um, as I speak. But before I say that, uh, one thing I've been doing in this offseason, Adam, is really embracing uh, uh, Bucks fandom that I didn't have before. So subscribe to all GSPN podcasts, gspn.info, the Eurostep podcast, the Win in Six podcast, uh, Talk of the Tundra. Sadly, the Packers season ended uh, earlier than they would have hoped last weekend. Shout out to Numak and Jordan for suffering through that. And then also make time for this everything pop culture other sports, whatever it may be, gspn.info, join the Discord, um, talk to us about uh, anything you want, and also you can find us on Repod, where you can talk to us about specific podcast episodes and uh, give us your thoughts on our thoughts. So yeah, jo- join join repod.com forward slash cruising for a bruising. Um, it's something we've been honestly having some fun with. It's It's been great. We're partnered up with them we're a couple of weeks into it and it's just a fun platform it's something that um gives us all a place to talk about things that come up on the shows for you to share your thoughts your opinions and just have a bit more of a conversation with it so if you haven't already if you're listening to the pod you go you can listen to podcasts true there you can stay on top of all of your favorite pods and for all gspn podcasts the conversation it's flowing, Andrew. So join repod.com forward slash cruising for a bruising. And while we're taking care of some some housekeeping, some business up top, I might as well make an announcement for upcoming content we're going to have that is going to take place both on the podcast here, at cruising for a bruising, and beyond. Um, We kind of, right since we started, we talked about when the offseason comes around, we'll We'll probably duck into some Brewers history one way or another. We are going to do that. It is not very distant Brewers history, but it is, for the most part, a good time. What we're going to do is we're going to do watch-alongs um, for the Brewers 2018 playoff run. We're going to watch the whole games live on playback. Whole bunch of listeners will come and join us. For anyone who has never been in a watch party with us on Playback before, um, Playback is a service where you can watch the game, room full of people. Andrew and I will be up on stage talking throughout. We'll be having fun interacting with all the people in the comments, in the chat live throughout. 
and I'm sure we'll be joined by some of our GSPN colleagues too. So very, very soon we're going to release um, at least a, a schedule for the first few games and we'll update it accordingly. But yeah, we're going to we're going to journey through that Brewers postseason run. And I'm very excited to see all those games for the first time. Don't spoil for me, Andrew, what happens, because I think it's going to be a good time. And in addition to watching them, which we hope you all come and join us, if you're starred for baseball like we are, you might as well sit down, take in some some classic, some recent classic Brewers games with us. But we're going to kind of episode to episode talk through what we're seeing on the podcast. won't be the entirety of episodes, but we'll make sure to do a segment and kind of share some of our thoughts. Uh, me, as a complete first-time viewer of these games, and for Andrew, you probably watched all of those games like the true baseball sicko you are at the time, but you'll be watching with Brewers tinted glasses on now. So I'm really excited. I think that's going to be a lot of fun, and it's going to help tie us over a little bit, you know? Uh, filled up baseball shaped gap in our hearts. I'm excited about that. I think uh, sort of the collective uh, response from from Brewers fans during the season was the 1982 team gets plenty of shine whenever possible, but th- this team is is definitely worthy of revisiting, especially because of the unique angle that you and I are coming from there. So I'm excited about that. On to modern events. Uh, we'll quickly get into some of those transactions I mentioned. So obviously when Wade Miley was signed, the writing was on the wall that the Brewers would need to clear a 40-man spot to add Miley. And they have done that by trading Justin Topa um, to the Seattle Mariners for Joseph Hernandez, who is a pitcher that spent uh, all of last season in single A in the California League. Um, he was listed as the 13th best prospect in Seattle system, according to fan graphs. Uh, he led the Carolina league in, uh, I believe strikeouts and innings pitched. Um, sorry from the article I'm reading it, it does not make clear which statistic he led it in other than strikeouts. And he was named the, uh, California league pitcher of the year, uh, has a, according to all reports, an absolutely dynamite slider. That is probably his best pitch. Um, he's kind of got a sidearm delivery that makes it tough on right-handed hitters. Uh, in addition to that slider, he's got a, a fastball that lives in the low 90s, tops out at 96, and he also has a changeup. Worked mostly as a starter last year, but as any new pitcher coming into a new organization, the Brewers will develop him as they see fit and see where he fits best. But exciting to have a enticing starting pitching uh, prospect in the lower minors. Who knows if he'll start with the Timber Rattlers or will go straight to Biloxi up-leveling to um, double-A. Don't know, obviously. Haven't seen him pitch, but a really intriguing addition to the system, especially because they had to clear that 40-man spot one way or another. It's tough giving up on Justin Topa and his stuff in the bullpen, but his obviously his issue has just been he's was not able to stay healthy uh, to maintain any kind of consistent role for the Brewers. Any thoughts on this, Adam? I know both of us are kind of coming to this without having seen Hernandez pitch, so tough to say. Well, just the idea of some starting pitching prospects kind of being picked up along the way by the Brewers seems very much worthwhile because it's 
maybe the area where they're most efficient when we look through um, the farm system and we're really at a point where you would like to have a few guys waiting in reserve when we're kind of at a place where Eric Lara's future, it's kind of feels like a matter of when he could end up traded. Um, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, we wait for developments on contract extensions for them. And yeah, that leaves you in a spot where I think there's a reason to feel optimistic about Robert Gasser, but what he ultimately tops out at very much remains to be seen. Uh, we've had pretty high hopes for Eaton Small. Hasn't looked good when he's come up so far, though. And so although this is going to be multiple steps below uh, them in the minor league system, and it's going to be a little bit more of a journey, the Brewers do just need some flyers that are kind of interesting uh, from a pitching perspective to have on the farm system. And hopefully one or two can click and you get to a place that I guess has allowed them to kind of sustain their pitching in recent years, that eye for good pitching prospects and then the ability to develop them within the system. Next up, Adam, uh, a guy that Brewers fans may have seen from time to time on an opposing team is the Brewers have signed Josh Van Meter to a minor league contract with an invite to spring training. Van Meter most recently played for the Pittsburgh Pirates Last year, he got 171 at-bats with the Pirates and hit 187, 266, 292, an OPS plus of 58. So not great with the bat. Uh, that was across 67 games. He's a guy who will turn 28 on March 10th. So organi- organizational depth in, in terms of having a, a utility guy that can play multiple positions, primarily... Um, last season, he played um, second base. He also got some time at first base. Third base for 10 innings and then uh, scattered across the outfield for a few innings uh, when the Pirates needed somebody out there. I think he even got three innings on the mound last year uh, for the Pirates. So another position player <laughs> that they can throw out in a blowout. I would not expect him to factor much on the big league team this year, just because they would seem to have guys that are ahead of him for that sort of role. And Owen Miller and Abraham Toro, but we'll see uh, Van Meter in Arizona for spring training. Yeah. And Mike Brosso's got that role held down, the most important role of all, which is, you know, the blowout pitcher. So I don't even know if there's opportunity there, Andrew. Yeah, I think uh, when you got a guy that's as elite as Brasso in that role, you really don't want to to mix or mess with that. I I think he he has the secret sauce. And is he? The question yeah. is, is he too elite? <laughs> is um, is he defeating the purpose? That is the question. I mean, you think about two-way players in Major League Baseball right now, and the the three people that really come into my mind are number one, Shohei (laughs) Otani, number two, Brett Phillips, and number three, Mike Brasso. I think we can all safely say those are the top three, and I I could see Brasso getting to two if if Phillips struggles to to stay on the Los Angeles Angels roster next year. Uh, You know, maybe he makes a a play for that top spot. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just just saying, Andrew, 
two of those three have already been brewers. So I think, you know, it's, it's just a matter of time before we get the full set. Manifest it, Adam. Manifest it. Um, the final signing uh, to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training was relief pitcher uh, Thiago Vieira. He spent um, three parts of three different major league seasons with the Seattle Mariners and the Chicago White Sox for his career in the big leagues. A seven three six or a seven yeah seven three six ERA across twenty five and two thirds innings since twenty twenty. He has spent his time playing in Japan, and uh, I think there is where he found some some success and uh, posted a three six one ERA across ninety two games with nineteen saves while in Japan, uh, playing for the Yomiri Giants of uh, the NPB, which is the highest professional league in Japan. So there you go, another bullpen arm to the mix and from what i've read adam can you guess what the the number one trait i'm reading about Vieira is and and what he brings to the table i gotta guess he throws gas he sure does topping out at 102 miles per hour is what i'm seeing with a with a uh an upper 80s slider average fastball velocity of 97.5 miles per hour so we know what Matt Arnold likes when it comes to relievers. It's betting on velocity with a bunch of guys and seeing what happens. That seems to be the offseason trend. And so add another guy to to that, that mix. If he doesn't make the big league club, it sounds like just could be ready and waiting in Nashville. So another flyer on velocity. All right, Adam, uh, transitioning to our next topic. I don't know if you want to take the lead here, but uh, – our friendly neighborhood neighborhood Discord user Logan linked us an article about uh, MLB executives being surveyed about up and coming prospects um, across Major League Baseball and kind of uh, picking out guys they like based on various traits. So, who's the best pitching prospect? Who's the most underrated? Who's the best hitting prospect? Who's uh, plays the best defense? And some Brewers prominently featured on this list. Starting um, with who's the best hitting prospect, uh, Jackson Chorio got 9% of the vote. But Brewers also factoring in to that war were Sal Freelich, who is a guy that could factor into, if not the opening day roster, definitely some early season at-bats in the outfield. Adam, I don't think it was a surprise to see Chorio up here as he has just been kind of one of the most popular names rising up prospect rankings uh, since the middle of last season. But I was really exci- excited to see that Freelick was getting votes in this conversation. I think we know um, that his calling card is the hit tool and a guy that's going to hit for a high average, be patient, get on base. But it was really intriguing to see his name up there with some guys like Gunnar Henderson, Corbin Carroll, uh, Ellie De La Cruz, and Choria. Yeah, and it it doesn't really end there either. He was receiving rookie of the year picks from some of these executives. Um, he came in in what was a very split vote, but behind the Padres, Jackson Merrill, um, in second place for the most underrated prospect in Major League Baseball. Um, when having a look at, I guess the the prospects with the best tools. He again factored in 
Um, when it came to hitting, he received the third most votes behind Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson. So we're having some really, really elite company that Sal Freelick is being grouped in. Um, that's exciting. And it's one of those things where as much as we kind of Churio, as you said, his placement here and his kind of emergence as something of a consensus top prospect in baseball is something that we all have to look forward to and definitely sustain us through some of the darker times of the Brewers season where all of a sudden he was on an absolute tear. But Freelich really should be playing this year. By all accounts, it seems like he's ready to go from what he did in Nashville. So when you see something like this, I think it just further enforces um, the idea for me that the Brewers just, there's no reason with him in particular for the Brewers to mess around. I don't think this has to be something gradual. There should be a level of trust and they should be investing in him right now because otherwise, if they're, if they're not going to look to the likes of Freelich and if Garrett Mitchell's not going to have a really significant role too, you're going to have big problems in the outfield. And I think if you've got a prospect who one has the kind of potential he has, has the kind of track record that Freelich has enjoyed uh, in the minors, but also he's really disciplined. He hits for contact at a really, really high clip. They're the kind of things that the Brewers have had problems with anyway. And uh, we haven't really kind of, discussed these things yet it's probably conversations we'll have a few weeks from now as we we dive into the roster looking forward i don't think that's a problem they have necessarily fixed going into next season either there are a couple of additions that certainly could help with that but if you add freelick into the mix you could have a team that just hits for contact a lot better gets on base more often and all of a sudden those homers can can really be made to count in a way that wasn't necessarily the case last year um. So yeah, for me, Freelich being not just kind of someone who pops out in oh, well, there's some executives who are thinking he's in the rookie of the year mix, or oh, he's one of the best hitting prospects in baseball. It's just kind of across the board, him showing up in a few different areas over this series of I guess executive polling is very very interesting to me. Also worth noting, um. He is not the only Brewer, and it's not just Jackson Churio either, because Bryce Tarang um, is someone whose name comes up quite a few times too, someone else that I think we would like to see and probably feel like needs to take on a meaningful role this year with the Brewers, given the way their depth um, is shaken out. Bryce Tarang received some some votes for best defensive prospect, um, as did... Uh, catching prospect Jefferson Cuero, by the way. So that's also a fun one. Um, And Bryce Trang also got votes for the prospect with the best baseball IQ, which is by no means a bad thing either. So I, I'm always kind of a sucker for these exercises, the same with John Schumann's NBA one every year. Um, I do think it is interesting to kind of take the temperature of the wider pool of executives around the league and be like, who, who are they valuing? Who are the people who surprise you and how they're factoring into things? Um, and Freelich being as highly rated as he is, is great news, but also 
Bryce Terang as well. Also, most underrated prospect votes for Bryce Terang. So really, um, there's just a lot of good stuff for the Brewers. Eric Brown, also in that most underrated prospect conversation. We have some things to look forward to, Andrew. That's that's how I'd frame this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even adding to this, so we'll get into this way later, but I'm betting on someone being 100% in that opening day lineup, it's going to be Terang at second base and, and seeing just kind of the defensive reputation that he has among writers and, and now executives. Uh, we wonder what's going to happen with the bat, you know, a rookie making his debut, but considering where Colton Wong's defense has gotten to this point in his career after last year, having the worst defensive season of his career, it's really nice to dream on what the double play combination of Willie Adamas and Bryce Terang can look like up the middle. Um, this season, even if it takes a little bit of time for the bat to adjust to major league pitching. Uh, another thing I'll call out is a guy you mentioned, Garrett Mitchell. So I've been getting caught up on um, some of the athletic baseball podcasts um, over the last year. Anytime I saw something referencing like the Brewers, I would go back and listen, especially if it had Keith Law. He is sold on Garrett Mitchell as a no doubt uh uh, above average defensive center fielder for his career and at the very least um, an average regular. And I think there had been cons- some concern among people about the strikeout rate, uh, but a lot of people also are, are kind of sold on Mitchell being in the same breath with Freelich as being a no doubt regular and different skill sets, obviously, um, and different reasons to believe that, but that's also exciting. And another guy that Keith Law shouted out is Tyler Black, who obviously missed some time due to injury last season. So with Terang, Tyler Black, Garrett Mitchell, Seth Freelich, Jackson Churio, Eric Brown Jr., like you mentioned, uh, Robert Moore, who had some great success, uh, I think, with the Brisbane uh, Bandits in the Australian Baseball League last year. Uh, A system that probably doesn't get talked about glowingly as being like top five in MLB because of the depth and especially because of the lack of starting pitching prospects. But, you know, we're in off season optimism mode. So just uh, another, uh, another sprinkle on top of uh, the cupcake of, of good vibes that we're eating. Any, anything else that you wanted to touch on with this, or should we just, you know, kind of have a free flowing conversation about baseball in general? Well, just the last thing, I think when we talk about the, the brewer system and its reputation, I think the reputation got a well-deserved boost um, off the quality of pitching that was coming through the system. And I think then, as you point out, the fact that it is light on pitching now probably leads it to be underrated because the Brewers have not thrived in producing really kind of top-end position players in recent years, and their best prospects at this point are all position players. So hopefully that's going to snap and we're going to see real high-level contributors um, emerge into the Brewers lineup. But I do think that's probably part of it too, is people look at the Brewers system and it's like, oh, they're out of quality pitching prospects. Well, things must be bad. Where, no, it's just things have flipped a little bit and hopefully it works out and you know, we'd love we'd love great prospects in all in all departments right now. We may not quite be there, but um, yeah, I, I think it's obviously Jackson Cherio is the ultimate example of it. But I think he can go to like the kind of top five, six, seven prospects in the system. Like, there's real high end potential for for a lot of those guys. Um, 
they could be really, really good and not just guys who factor into to lineups and kind of give you brief moments of quality here or there. There could be some real staying power with this group. Yeah, and I think the reason why, and obviously I come to it from a biased perspective as well, but I think some of the reason that I look friendlier on the system where it is, even though I acknowledge that very soon they're going to need to start to acquire more high-end pitching prospects just as a way to replenish what they're losing. A lot of what they have in that like top 10 range seems very safe too. Like the position, the above average position player um, pans out a lot more than the, the risky uh, high velocity starting pitching prospect. Those guys, when they reach like their peak, they're amazing. The DeGroms, he wasn't a, how he thought a prospect he was um but like the the steven strasbergs the the max freeds who was uh um a first round draft pick by the padres way back when when guys like that really hit their ceiling it works out but there's also just a laundry list of guys that that didn't work out and i think the brewers in a good position where at least for the next season and hopefully 2024 they're pitching at the major league level as at a very good spot so they've got time to graduate some of these position players that are ready to contribute now, move some of those other position players at the lower levels of the minors up through the system, and then keep acquiring. I, I mean, I, I know a lot of te- a lot of organizations don't necessarily draft on need right now, but need in the future and organizational depth in areas of weakness. This might be a good year for the Brewers draft to really focus on building up that pitching, knowing, uh, in a few years that could come to fruition and be something they really need. But uh, right now excited about the, um, the position player depth and guys that are ready to go right now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Adam, your first Major League Baseball offseason 
from an excitement level, from an entering level, from one to ten, where are you ranking it? Um, I that's a tough question because my expectations for it were kind of nowhere. I had been warned about the very kind of gradual nature of it, how it unfolds very slowly. I will say the kind of the top end drama has been very good and very fun and should even make for some interesting stories going into the new season. But yeah, I'm still kind of wrapping my head around just the weird rhythm to it. It's the fact that there are still some pretty notable players um, who are out there and you've had very notable players, like kind of pretty top end guys until recently. Like that's something that is a little bit um what's the word it's not very intuitive to me i i wouldn't have imagined that's how free agency would generally play out in any sport but the way it seems to in baseball is interesting but uh boy oh boy has this offseason delivered some some weird drama there are tiers of storylines that I'm going to set forth and then we'll just kind of go through them gradually. And then I may send us in weird directions. Who knows the tears that in my mind were the biggest question marks going into this off season was number one, what happens with the shortstop market? This was about as, as good as a position class gets in a free agency uh, window. There are a lot of good shortstops available. Um, Number two, where is Aaron judge going? Guy comes off an AL MVP season, one of the best offensive seasons we've seen in quite some time. He bet on himself, and he's going to win. But where does he go? Uh, number three, what are Steve Cohen and the Mets going to do? Uh, that was kind of my top tier of the offseason and what to look for, other than obviously following every Brewers transaction uh, as closely as possible. I first want to talk about the shortstops because this was – We've seen things like this before in one-off situations, like with Bryce Harper, uh, but this market got insane. And it's another example of two franchises. It's also, we... just to, to cut across you there, this market getting insane at this position is sadly relevant for the Brewers and yes. their own shortstop's future. It is. Um, two teams that we talked about going all in, in making player acquisitions at the trade deadline last year or in the previous offseason and then being rewarded with an appearance in the championship series uh, and then the World Series for one of these teams, they they went all in again. So the first shortstop I'll talk about, Trey Turner to the Philadelphia Phillies for 11 years, $300 million. He's uh, 29 years old right now, so this is going to take him into his age 40 season. Uh, a great player. Uh, obviously, I... I've probably talked about Trey Turner on this podcast before or in the Discord because he went to uh, North Carolina State University at the same time I did. So I got to watch him up close and personal. Started his career with the Washington Nationals, won a World Series there with them. And uh, then last uh, season around the trade deadline, he was traded to the Los Angeles Dodgers, where um, he had, I think, two playoff runs with them, did not end with similar success. But, uh, not really known for his glove at this point. He had a couple of high-profile errors and miscues in uh, this most recent postseason, but 
as far as I metrics like outs above average go, he kind of rates as as neutral defensively. So not not quite league average, but not quite someone that you're saying is going to have to move off the position. I think there's there's upside there to believe that he won't fall off a cliff defensively just yet. But the hit tool and his speed are really what his calling cards are. A career 302, 355, 487 hitter. Um, last season, he had um, where stolen bases here on baseball reference. They don't have it listed. Yes, they do. 27 stolen bases um, last year. He set a career high in 2018 with 43 stolen bases. Um, or no, sorry, his career high was 46 the year before, but he led the league in 2018 with 43 stolen bases, had uh, 32 stolen bases in 2021. Lightning fast, first to third, scoring from first, whatever it may be, and just can really hit. Um, so Trey Turner to the Philadelphia Phillies in an instance of them recognizing that they just had a lot of success they need to double down on the success. Bryce Harper is going to miss a lot of time at the beginning of the season. Let's go out and spend insane money for Trey Turner. They also signed Tawan Walker for the starting rotation, Matthew Strom for the bullpen, and Craig Kimbrell for the bullpen. Thoughts on the Phillies going all in for uh, Trey Turner and putting up $300 million? <laughs> the first thing I've got to say about Trey Turner is if I wind the clock back to, I think it was 2018. I think it was 2018. A good friend of mine by the name of Andrew Snyder was trying to get me to become a baseball fan. And what I was encouraged to do at the time was to become a Washington Nationals fan. And what I was sold on was Trey Turner. Do you remember this? I do, because I probably had just written an article on Call to the Pen on Fansided about him. (laughs) Well, I remember I at least took the step at that time of following the Nationals on Twitter, and that was probably as much of a step as I took. Um, Didn't watch any games, didn't really pay any attention. But there's an alternate universe where, yeah, I could have got a World Series very quickly, and then I really could have been miserable for quite some time. But that's Andrew did try to get me to be a Nationals fan at one point because of Trey Turner, and because I didn't do that, here we are. Um... You would have gotten I mean, some really good Juan Soto years for a while too. That would have that's been, true. That, it's true. I I prefer this reality, but go ahead. My response to this, and I don't generally wish well on um, the city of Philadelphia sports teams, but is good for the Phillies. I mean, you go to the World Series, you're really close. We all know that as much as they got to the World Series, they were not really among the very best teams in baseball. Of course, it doesn't always play out in a way where that is relevant, but I think being as close as they were, being as good as they are, and doubling down like this uh, has to be admired. And I think that would be something that if you or I were to really push back against, I guess that in any way would be pretty hypocritical based on how critical we've been of the lack of spending of a franchise like the Brewers. So it's a lot of money till a really silly age by the end of it yeah it's probably not gonna age very well at all but you know what the fans won't mind having like 40 year old trey turner as much if he's like a world series winner with the phillies or a two-time world series winner those kind of things always help out you know you can then kind of age there gracefully or not so gracefully as a legend and even in 
the city of brotherly love they may uh they may take it easy on an older guy like that if he's delivered the hardware so like it's interesting to see how that plays out from a brewer's perspective the national league team like that really tooling up a good national league team but the kind of team that if the brewers caught them last year you'd be like yeah sure they could beat them that will still be the case but um yeah a good team has got even better and for that when you've got a chance to win that is the approach you should take but to be able to push it this far that is a very nice luxury for the phillies and their fans meanwhile the san diego padres following a similar tact 11 years, $280 million for Xander Bogarts, who uh, left the Boston Red Sox. Uh, Much to the anger of many Boston Red Sox fans, they were able to sign Rafael Devers long-term, but they were not able to do that with their shortstop, Xander Bogarts. Uh, Bogarts always has been viewed more as a bat-first shortstop, but last year he did post the best defensive metrics of his career. He's uh, His addition to the Padres will move Fernando Tatis Jr. to the outfield when he eventually returns. I think I saw he was cleared to return to baseball activities. I I don't remember how long his suspension goes, so not sure when when he'll be factored back in. But uh, just like the Phillies, the Padres are saying, we have a window here. Last trade deadline, obviously, they traded for Juan Soto, Josh Bell, uh, Brandon Jury. Bell and Jury are now gone. Soto's still there. Adding Xander Bogarts makes this lineup terrifying. They also signed Matt Carpenter and uh, Nelson Cruz, who will form a platoon split DH combination, if I had to guess. Uh, They've got a lot of good players scattered throughout that lineup, Manny Machado. um, And now you add Xander Bogarts to the mix to play shortstop and be another potent bat in the middle of that lineup. So, uh, I mean, if you're obviously the baseball playoffs are the chaos that they are, but if you were uh, talking yourself into an NLCS rematch uh next year it wouldn't be that hard to do that no it wouldn't i mean the interesting thing with the padres is like you mentioned a lot of the kind of high profile rentals they got last year which on paper made them really scary only for it to not really become of anything basically all of those guys are gone right i mean is hater the only acquisition from the deadline last year that's still around soda of course. <laughs> I I think the thing with them is it's going to be really like well, kind of Fernando Tatis Jr. like stay out of his own way. <laughs> Which seems like a, a valid question at this point. And if he can, the, the really kind of elite level of players that they have is pretty scary. There aren't too many teams that really have that. Um, whether kind of down the lineup, they find themselves looking for something, who knows. But once again, like I, I'm not going to have anything bad to say about teams who are just like, yeah, you know what? We want to win, and we're really going to commit to winning. They have a real window to go out and really try to compete for the National League West. I know they we've been saying this for years about the Padres, but the Dodgers are in a very weird situation i mean they lose justin turner who obviously is aging but had a really good second half last year they lose trey turner so all the turners gone from uh los angeles uh they obviously still have freddie freeman mookie betts max muncie gavin looks figures to play a bigger role they just traded for miguel rojas um from the miami marlins who 
very good defensive shortstop, did not hit last year. But they're weaker than they've been in any time during uh, the last decade, half the decade. Um, so they could be there for the taking. This could be famous last words, obviously. Um, but with Walker Bueller out, some uncertainty in the lineup and in the rotation, I don't know. It just seems like a real opportunity for San Diego to uh, win the National League West, compete with the the Mets and the Braves of the world for uh, the one seed in the National League. Uh, Dansby Swanson, we know, obviously, we talked about last week, who signed a seven-year, $200 million deal with Chicago Cubs, excuse me, if I'm remembering that correctly. My Spotrack window decided it doesn't like me. Seven years, $177 million, so, you know, shave off about $23 million of what I said there. But the, the final shortstop to sign, Adam, uh, was the most intriguing and it would be fair to call it a saga, even if that if that sounds fair. Carlos if this Correa, is a saga, I don't know what is, Andrew. Carlos Correa, who arguably, probably, I don't know, I would have said he was the most compelling shortstop on the market, uh, given his power potential. And then last year, uh, didn't post as good as defensive metrics as he had in the past obviously a, a candidate to potentially move to third base at some point in his, in his career, which he would have done if he had signed with one of these teams. Uh, but Correa signed a, or not signed, excuse me. Uh, Correa agreed to terms pending a physical with the San Francisco Giants. And that term uh, pending a physical is carrying a a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, weight here. Uh, 13 years, $350 million was the agreement with the Giants. And what occurred after that was what was termed as a difference of opinion on a surgically repaired ankle from dating back to when Correa was in the minor leagues with the Houston Astros. Um, I guess he's got the reporting has been there's a, a plate in the ankle and the orthopedic community is divided on what that means for the long-term sustainability of his playing career and how that ankle will hold up. So Scott Boris, Carlos Correa's agent, uh, finds out that the the Giants aren't willing to do that deal anymore. And then who does he call? Steve Cohen, who I believe the, the reporting says was in Hawaii at the time, just like really living it up on vacation. Says, you know what? That sounds great. We'll sign uh, Correa to a 12-year, $315 million deal. So all's well that ends well, pending a physical. Another physical where apparently Steve Cohen was like, the Giants doctors don't know what they're doing. Like, Yeah, I, it's I, not, I don't it's know. not even apparently. He went and he talked publicly about it. Yes, which is a no-no in this situation generally. And yet Steve Cohen, is, uh, he's, he's new to baseball. He's he's doing a lot of good things that I think are good for the game in terms of spurring other owners to eventually shaming. open up. Shaming their, other yeah, owners. shaming other owners to open up the checkbook. Uh, but even this was a bridge too far for him when the uh, the, uh, the doctors saw what they saw. So next up, the Minnesota Twins, where Correa spent last season. He had signed a three-year deal with opt-outs the year before. Um, had a very good season for them. Opted out to 
hopefully get the deals that he could get uh, with the Giants or the Mets. But instead, he's going back to Minnesota on a six-year, $200 million deal. It got to the point, Adam, where I was wondering if he would sign a deal with all 30 teams, and eventually it would be like, Carlos Correa, you are in Oakland A on a one-year deal. But he's going back to Minnesota. Uh, Obviously, he had a lot of nice things to say about them in the press conference, and it seems like even though this has been not what he expected and what he wanted necessarily, he seems content with what has happened. And I think Minnesota did really well to take advantage of a situation where uh, they were opportunistic, like Matt Arnold described how uh, the Brewers should be and how they were with the William Contreras uh, acquisition. I think the Twins were uh, opportunistic and, and got a guy who, if four of these six years he's normal Carlos Correa and then the ankle uh, causes issues, that's probably a pretty good deal for them. For sure. Um, this whole thing was insane. I do think, like, I wonder will it be almost, will the Giants part of it be lost to history because the Mets part was so loud? Um, and the shock when that part of the deal came true. And then for it to fall apart and after Cone speaking about it publicly, uh, I think the Giants should be really embarrassed though because they have had a not very good offseason from my vantage point. Of course, there was all the you know, speaking of things that were shared publicly uh, before their time or when they were not even true. Of course, we had Aaron Judge and the Giants, which they missed out on that. Um, and then to have the option to go and get someone who is still kind of one of the better free agents out there and to hesitate. If he does hold up, the Mets will have regret. I think the Giants will look kind of stupid, though, because they, they really need that extra bit of punch. And good for Minnesota. Like, I don't know. If this was a Brewer... I was, I was trying to think about this. How would we feel about it? Because <laughs> it's not even just once, it's twice. It's really, like, shopping around the houses. And then it's like, oh, but... They'll get over very quickly. It's It's good for... Um, probably good for baseball. I mean, as much as the the spending that Steve Cohen is doing is something that I think probably has some wider support than it would generally have otherwise, because as we mentioned, it is a real wake up call to a lot of guys. Um, I think for some owners, it will be something that will force them out of the league and will require them to sell to owners who are better capable, uh, better prepared of competing. But to others and some of the really, really wealthy guys who could just sit there and kind of do the bare minimum and be like, yeah, I own a baseball team. So I think that's great. But yeah, it's the, the Mets will be fine. Like, and that's ultimately how they can walk away when they do as well. They don't have to worry about what they lose in terms of losing face because look at what they've done otherwise in the offseason. And just imagine what they'll probably do next season and the year after that. It's something different with the Giants, but good for the Twins. That's my overall take. That brings us to more San Francisco Giant pain. The Arson Judge tweet from John Heyman. Uh, All-timer. You know. What the last Judge... great, like, before Twitter started 
I don't know, new changes to Twitter, this this not letting me keep like the proper latest tweets feed on. Every time I close the app, I go back in and Elon Musk wants me to look at whatever he's algorithmically serving up to me. No, thank you, Andrew. But before a lot of the, the really destructive stuff happened, we did have Arson Judge. We'll always have Arson Judge. Um, but he would not go to the Giants, back to the Yankees, nine years, $360 million. Just a really great case of betting on yourself and winning. Um, I think the Yankees had to do this. How will this deal age? We don't know. Guys of his size can break down. Uh rapidly and quickly and all of a sudden you could be looking at a guy who uh just is out of baseball i don't know that that'll happen with judge he's a great player you know medical science and technology is not what it was when guys like dave parker were playing or uh i'll throw out a brewer's name uh richie sexton uh, not quite on the Aaron Judge level, but I'll throw his name out there nonetheless because he was a large, large man. Um, Aaron Judge back to the Yankees, uh, I think a move they had to make. They also brought back Anthony Rizzo and signed Carlos Rodon, who was a giant last year. Six years, $162 million. Back-to-back really good seasons for Rodon. Injury issues in the past have been uh, the big question mark there. But if he can enter into... A period of good health uh he could be a dominant pitcher on in the bronx for the next uh half decade or so but uh yeah the big headline winner for the yankees was aaron judge back and i think if uh they had not done that <laughs> would have been uh there would have been hell to pay at yankee stadium after everything the mets were going after and doing in the offseason uh, before anything else, Yankees, I just want to circle back to the Giants for a second because there's one thing I forgot to say in their true offseason misery, and that's that they guaranteed Taylor Rogers $33 million. It's... They, did, they did do that. Yikes. Yikes. I think it was uh, I think it was marketing spin just because his brother's on the team, and they're really, uh, they're really steering into that. <laughs> wow. There's better ways to do that. Uh, like, for example, the books don't guarantee Tanasa's $33 billion. That's, that's maybe how I'll put that. But, yeah. Um, Yankees. I don't, The weird thing with the Yankees is what must it feel like to be the Yankees and all of a sudden just have the Mets doing all the things they're doing? Because uh, obviously, like they needed needed to keep Aaron Judge in a way that maybe at previous points in their history, of course, they always would have wanted to retain a player of Aaron Judge's caliber, particularly after a historic season like he just had. But they could have been like, "Yeah, we're the Yankees." It's now like, yeah, there's another option in New York. There's someone else that's just as capable of spending like that. Um, so that that's kind of interesting in its own right. There probably haven't been too many instances where for the Yankees, like the importance of re-signing a single player, where it's like, if this doesn't happen, things get really, really rough. So I don't know what it means though, at the in terms of what is the Yankees' outlook in the next few years? 
I think their fans will be disappointed that they, they didn't get a shortstop. I know they have guys coming up that they project to fill that role, but I think if you're a Yankees fan, you say we're the Yankees when they're big free agents. We don't just get one or two. We're getting three or four, and we're we're gonna win the offseason this way. This way, um, Anthony Volpe coming up and just being an instant impact player could change that. But if they have to watch another season of IKF booting the ball around the infield, that might not be the case. Um, Steve Cohen shaking up baseball um, to the tune of re-signing Brandon Nimmo for eight years, $162 million. Edwin Diaz <laughs> is back, five years, $102 million. Justin Verlander, two years, $86.7 million. And we'll touch on why they had to sign Verlander in a moment because that's kind of one of my other big headlines uh, of the offseason is what the team that signed a former Met um, is doing this offseason. Kodai Sanga, five years, $75 million from Japan. Uh, Jose Someone Quintana, else who the Giants years. wanted, right? Yeah, another guy the Giants were in on. So the, the Giants are really just Charlie Brown and the rest of Major League Baseball's Lucy with the football. Instead, they give their big offseason money to Taylor Rogers, another injury risk in Michael Conforto, another injury risk in Mitch Hanniger. Just, uh, it's not what you want. Brought back Jock Peterson. That's good for the vibes. Uh, Sean Manea, who knows what he is at this point in his career. Ross Stripling, not great in, in the Bay Area. To round out what the Mets did, Jose Quintana, two years, $26 million, who had a great second half with the Cardinals. Bring back Adam Adovino, two years, $14.5 million. David Robertson on a one-year deal, who was with Philly um, the year before. And Danny Mendick from the Chicago White Sox, one-year, $1 million, a bench guy. Uh, Steve Cohen went out and spent a lot of money. He tried to spend even more money. didn't work out there. Um, but the reason why he had to spend money for a high-level starting pitcher is uh, the Texas Rangers just really going all in on just loading up their rotation in a way that they didn't in years past. And Jacob deGrom is the big signing of this, this season for the Rangers. Five years, $185 million. Two years, $34 million for Nathan Evaldi as well. Andrew Heaney, who had an injury riddled but productive when he was healthy season with the Dodgers. Two years, $25 million, And they brought back Martin Perez. I believe he accepted the qualifying offer of $19.7 million. But the Mets react to that by getting Verlander. The Rangers somehow take DeGrom. I still don't know what their ceiling looks like in a American League West, where I would still rate, obviously, the Astros as the favorite there, and then the Seattle Mariners trying to have a successful second season after their playoff run last year. Um, just just a, kind of a crazy, surprising thing by the Rangers. And you know, we expected Steve Cohen to be the one to really hand that big check to DeGrom, but then he has to go around and give it to Verlander. So interesting chess match there that, simultaneously for Texas does weaken their uh, biggest uh, competition in their own division. So uh, just kind of interesting how those chess pieces moved around the board. From a Mets perspective, how do you feel? What side are you coming out on? Are they a plus or a minus on the I... two-year deal for Verlander versus what the Grom's got to go to the Rangers? Because I know there's, there's ways you could answer that question where it's easy, but I think overall it kind of nets out at something that's a little bit more intriguing. Yeah, I think uh, when healthy, Jacob DeGrom is unequivocally the best pitcher in baseball. 
and some years it's not even close. But how often can he stay healthy? I mean, last season he throws 64 and a third innings. The season before, 92 innings. And the season before, obviously, was the COVID year where he threw 68 innings. And even last year, his his dominance was not quite what it was. Uh, 3-8-0 ERA, which is great. <laughs> it's solid, like, re- really good. But it's not the best pitcher in baseball level that he was at the seasons before when healthy. And Verlander, obviously a guy who is getting up there in age, but has aged <laughs> incredibly well. Um, last season, 175 innings, 175 ERA. He had uh, previously missed the 2021 season uh, due to, to, to Tommy John surgery. So uh, he, sh- he should be good on that for a number of years. I don't know what they say. The the runway is for Tommy John. It's like seven years or something. So you're not signing him for seven years. You got him for two years, 86 million. If, if you told me to bet on one guy to throw more innings over the course of those two years, I would bet on Justin Verlander rather than Jacob DeGrom, just based on what we've seen in recent history. Uh, and the, the thing that I've seen on Twitter uh, is the comments about, uh, Verlander's World Series issues, 48 World Series innings in his career, 5-6-3 ERA. Uh, you know what? I, I say get to the World Series and then worry yeah. about that when it happens. Yeah, there's a point where, I mean, particularly for the Mets, like, uh, that's what all this is for. It's like, get there, and if you've got to deal with the disappointment of another tough World Series for Justin Verlander, well you'll deal with that and you'll be glad to have got there in the first place. You'll be a ho- one step closer to like what is now your goals and what you hope to be year in, year out. So yeah, I'm inclined to agree on that one. It's the kind of thing that when that happens, it would always make you nervous as a fan of a team, but you got to zoom out and be like, Oh, our concern is that this guy is really, really good. But if we get to the world series, he might have issues. It's like, I think from the seat we're sitting in, Andrew, we take a player like that. We'd be like, oh, cool. You know, this guy could get us to a World Series, but we might lose. Yeah, I, I, I would be very much okay with that. From a Rangers perspective, I think it's very risky, but I'm also like, hell yeah, guys. Do what yeah, you got to do. Go. Um, it's worth the flyer. It's a very expensive flyer, but it's also like, you're there is proven stock there. You just need you need to catch some good breaks. Uh the consensus takeaway from us is unless you're the San Francisco Giants, it's good to spend money. Don't love what the Giants did this offseason. Everyone else. You know what? Good work. Uh are there any other storylines um from this offseason that you think are are worth getting into. I mean, I can run through some of them very quickly. I mean, the Braves seeming to sit out the shortstop market and plans look like uh, they're going to give that job to Vaughn Grissom, who, who is, uh, I think he still will hold rookie eligibility status, but played most of last season at second base in relief of the injured Ozzie Albies. Um, their big acquisition of the offseason was the Sean Murphy trade. Uh, the Boston Red Sox, 
not doing anything super noteworthy. They get uh, Yoshida from Japan, five years, 90 million. There's then that came the report after that signing where uh, a lot of scouts are skeptical that he'll ever be able to to hit big league pitching. We'll see how that goes at the at the most. It looks like he'll be a very good uh, contact hitter uh, for the Red Sox on base guy if it works out. If not, who knows? I don't think I think it's tough to say um, uh, guys coming over um, from Japan and knowing exactly how they'll adjust to the major league game. I remember um, seeing reports of scouts being like, well, Otani's going to have to choose pitching eventually at the major league level because the bat won't play. And guess what? The bat played and he, he is now a superhero. Uh, Kenley Jansen, two years, 32 million. Justin Turner, two years, 21.7 million. Chris Martin, 2 million, 17.5 million. Corey Kluber, one year, 10 million. Uh, Jolie Rodriguez, one year, 2 million. That's not the type of acquisitions you expect to see an iconic franchise. That's been the biggest winner in terms of world series. Uh, in the last two decades or so um, doing. And uh, it just, uh, it's the the heat had turned up on John Henry until that Raphael Devers extension. But I still think for a team that goes into most season with expectations of making the World Series, they were a bad team with Xander Bogarts last year. Now he's gone. They haven't adequately replaced him. Trevor Story's hurt might miss the whole year. Just kind of seems like other than the Devers extension, a disaster of the offseason for Boston Red Sox fans, and, and they should be pretty pissed at John Henry. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to circle back to the Braves briefly because we find ourselves talking with the Braves frequently on this podcast yeah. for a variety of reasons, but one of those being, you know, the season before last, obviously they're the team who uh, beat the Brewers in the playoffs. For a lot of last season, it looked like they could have been one of the true forces to emerge and again have a really good shot at winning a World Series. I think they've got worse. I don't know if you agree with that. Like I, I think where they were selling themselves on Sean Murphy being an upgrade for what they need over Contreras, I think losing Dansby Swanson as well like if if you're to go Contreras and Swanson out, Sean Murphy in in that sense, that's kind of. Uh, am I forgetting something? Is there a high profile deal they were involved in that I've forgotten? Uh no, um, they didn't do much at all in terms of meaningful signings at all. Jesse Chavez back, uh, one year, one point wow. two million. Uh, Ayer Adrian's a one year, one million. He's like a a a bench utility infielder. Nick Anderson, reliever from uh, who spent most of his time with Tampa, one year, eight hundred seventy-five thousand, and then Jack and Stevens back on a one-year, seven hundred forty thousand dollar deal. So they've pretty much sat out free agency. I think the Murphy move, and they again got him to sign an extension almost as soon as they they traded for him, like they seem to do with every player. The Murphy move helping their pitching staff via his pitch framing and and his. Uh, throwing i get all that i think from an offensive perspective at best it's going to be kind of a wash between him and wilson will excuse me william Contreras, uh, just because of him not having to play half of his baseball games in oakland i think being in atlanta's ballpark will be a little more helpful for his offense but i agree not replacing dansby with something meaningful 
and counting on Vaughn Grissom to immediately, over a full season, just make an impact with the glove and the bat the way that Swanson did, it definitely hurts them. Um, maybe they're counting on a a fully healthy season from Ozzy Albies, which is something that didn't happen last year. Austin Riley showing no regression and continuing to get better. Matt Olson, who last year was very good, but I think um, was a, obviously a downgrade from Freddie Freeman with the bat. And then I guess really, really, really counting on Ronald Acuna Jr. in the second year coming back from that knee injury to be the superstar. So I agree that they got worse and are counting on either internal improvement in some areas or just guys not doing the thing that happens in baseball where some seasons things just don't go right for you and you regress a little bit. But the Mets are formidable. The Phillies are obviously formidable. Uh, it's not impossible to imagine them slipping slipping to that three spot in the National League East and then having to rely on a wild card spot. Yeah, because even when you talk about like Ozzie Albies and his health, if that holds up, I do think with the way they have, I guess, handled and made their decisions with Swanson, it's they're they're closer to being one injury away from disaster in the infield anyway. And that's something where they may have had some reason to be concerned about in the first place. So I find that a little bit unusual for them. Um but we shall see. Well it's that's about it for me, I think. Um my eyes have definitely been most closely trained on the teams we talked about last week, in particular the Cardinals and the Cubs. But yeah, it's definitely some fun, fun stuff around the world of baseball over the past couple of months. Yeah, last thing I'll add before we get out of here. I know we've been on uh, longer than we probably expected. The Athletic today put out an article of the top 12 remaining free agents. On that list, Michael Walker, number one, probably not a fit for the Brewers because of adding Wade Miley. They are, I'm assuming, set on their rotation depth at this point. Uh, number two, Jerkson Profar can play all three outfield positions, primarily left field, can play second base in a pinch. I don't know if he's an infielder anymore at this point in his career. Someone that could make sense for a right field utility role with the Brewers, but I, I don't know that that's going to happen. Elvis Andrews, a shortstop, someone the Braves should probably call. Zach Granke. Uh, another starting pitcher, uh, former Brewer, not going to happen. Trey Mancini, first base, DH, left field, maybe right field uh, type that we talked about a few weeks ago. That's the the only one on this list that Jim Bowden has as having the Brewers as one of the best fits. Old friend Andrew McCutcheon, uh, last reports that uh, I think I saw about him is the Mets are considering him as uh, fourth outfielder bench bat. Adam Duvall, former Brave, had a season-ending uh, wrist tendon injury last year. A guy that could play right field very well, won a, won a gold glove in 2021, but as we said, that's often misleading. Hit 38 home runs that year as well. Um, was a very uh, nice complimentary player on that Braves World Series team. Josh Harrison, we both agreed, stay away there. Jose Iglesias, another shortstop. Uh, Gary Sanchez, catcher DH, David Peralta, outfielder, probably left fielder, left-handed bat, not something that the Brewers would consider giving the wealth of left-handed bats uh, in the outfield that they have at their disposal. And then last but not least, or last and maybe least, Tommy Pham, outfielder, right-handed bat, uh, who kind of tailed off at the end of last season, probably not a fit for what the Brewers are interested in. But that's 
a a hundred mile an hour tour through the MLB offseason, the major stories, what we thought about them. Uh, and I think that's that's all there is to say about that until another move happens. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, the Brewers being the Brewers, they'll probably just any minute now once we wrap up, they will make said move and make our life more difficult. But who knows? At least they're going to do it. Let, let's let it be a good move. That does it for us for now. As we mentioned up top, we're going to have our watch along of the 2018 playoff run coming soon. We'll be talking about it on the pods. If you want to make sure you don't miss that and you're top of the schedule, the best possible way will be to join the Discord. The Discord. Go to gspn.info and you can get in the GSPN Discord and the Brewers channel in there where we'll have all of the details. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at AdamMcGee11 at ACSnide. As Andrew led off with, up top, go listen. Go check out all the other GSPN podcasts. Got the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main book feed, home to the Eurostep with Tywin, Sharon, Caddy, and winning six of myself and Jordan Tresky. We've got Talk of the Tundra, Jordan Tresky again, joined by Numak, talking all things Green Bay Packers. Uh, I don't know how soon we're going to get an episode there. There's definitely some, some decompressing, some mourning going on there at the moment, but to stay on top of all things Packers throughout the offseason now for Green Bay, that's the place to do that and make time for this. Andrew and I talk about movies, all things pop culture, and I think next up for us, Andrew, will be The Last of Us. We'll talk about the first episode of the new HBO series, the adaptation of the smash hit game. I think that's it for us for now. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.